Welcome to Crypto Art, the show that decodes the world of art created for a new age and traded on the bleeding edge. So Zach, how did you first hear about NFTs? I think um, I, I follow some artists on on Twitter, and one of them must have listed an NFT recently, and was like a picture, a you know preview image of the piece, and it was like, you know, basically auctions tomorrow, something like that, on this platform that I had never heard of, and I I think I clicked on it. And uh, just immediately got sucked down this rabbit hole of, holy crap, there's this whole thing that I had no idea even existed. I think I follow the crypto space to probably a greater degree than most like normal people. And I was completely unaware that art had um, come onto the blockchain. And it... Um, you know, several hours later after I emerged, I was like, I wonder if there's a podcast about this because I love podcasts. And that's really when I first uh, texted you, was like, it does a podcast already exist? And it was also, so that was all in the same like two hour span of discovering NFTs first existed to there's not a podcast and let's start this podcast. So that's also the origin story of this show. Yeah. And I was, I was trying to think about when I first heard of NFTs, and then I realized it was when you texted me. Oh, wow. You were like, let's do this. And then I think the next day I saw the um, Taco Bell NFT drop, and I thought, this is real. It's happening. <laughs> yeah, that, that definitely lent some credibility when I, when I saw those, uh, those, those taco cards, I think, as they're now being called. Um, I was like, wow, there's some brands in this. There's big price tags on these things. And I was like, are people actually getting this? And it was like, I think the the $69 million Beeple sale had just happened, like I think the week or two before that. Not very long before that. And then I think that was kind of the catalyst for like the pop culture, right? The arrival of NFTs seemed to be like, wow, this seemingly random artist just got like, almost 70 million for this composite image of a year's worth of artwork. Yeah. And that was super cool. And his like story about how he had never really sold physical art before he would sell prints for like a hundred dollars or something, but then started selling NFTs for what was that one? Like the first ones he sold were 66,666 dollars and 66 and 66 cents. cents yeah <laughs> yeah and it's just i don't know there's this thing with art where especially with nfts people will say oh well why don't you just sell art like not on the blockchain or why don't you just sell art you know somewhere else and it's like yeah if only it were that easy to just like put your art out and then people people don't just like come running up to you with money and like give me that art yeah you have to you have to there's a lot of logistics there right like you have to get a gallery to want to show your show um you have to get onto their schedule you have to like go and then hang all of your pieces basically have like an event and build buzz around that and then that hopefully is in a city where there's art collectors with that kind of money walking around looking to spend it. 
And that's what's really awesome about these platforms is that it opens up this 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 global this global marketplace to artists that didn't necessarily exist before. Um, you could say, you know, oh, anybody could pick up the phone and call like Christie's auction house and and buy a piece, but like, do people, you know, like, yeah. is that really, is that really that accessible? This seems strikes me as far more accessible, and I, I think why, uh, you know, we're seeing some of these what feel like really, really massive price tags. Yeah. With the with the Beeple sale in particular, it was the founder, the buyer was the founder of a cryptocurrency ATM company that is based out of, I believe, Kuala Lumpur. And uh, this person had, you know, massively increased their personal net wealth through cryptocurrencies. And that kind of makes sense, right? Where um, the founder of this business that's tangentially related, then like this is an outlet for them to to both like play a cultural role and buy something significant but then also there's an investment element to this right you're there's some people who aren't buying the art for the quality of the art or because they enjoy the art they're buying it because the speculation is that it will increase in value over time and that's more of the investor perspective, and that's where you get kind of like Mark Cuban and some of these, you know, Elon Musk and some of these other people uh, that are that are making purchases, like just like uh, just like they would buy, you know, Dogecoin or something like that, um, which they're also, you know, proponents of. So I think it's just kind of some some extension of that. Yeah, didn't um, people's original NFTs or the first NFTs he sold? They've already increased in value, right? After his sixty-nine million sale, which also nice sixty-nine. I don't, I don't believe that one has resold uh, from from my understanding. But but yes, like um, that one gets a lot of the headlines. That number is awesome, and like there were other pieces that. Uh, that the artist had sold leading up to that, though, that have since resold for for uh, yeah more money. And we touched on past episodes of like the automated royalties element of NFTs, and that means that the artist, in this case, Beeple, is also probably getting a cut of those secondary, tertiary resales. And I saw that you know after. <laughs> After the sale of that, uh, of that, the the piece in particular was called Beeple's Every Day: The First Five Thousand Days. Um, so I was wrong about it being a year. It's five thousand days. Um, and there's a quote from Christie's Auction House that was the facilitator of the sale in this case, said that that now officially makes the artist Beeple among the top three most valuable living artists. Which, like, if you had any doubt about. NFTs and this like contribution to art and like where this kind of stacks up relative to say like the sale of uh, Andy Warhol or Basquiat or a Picasso or something like that, right? Like th- those uh, those paintings, the artists are are not living uh, in those cases, but still like you know within that realm of price tag. Yeah, which is pretty crazy because I've never even heard of people before NFTs. So this idea that like artists don't need NFTs to blow up or something. It just, I mean, yeah, I guess technically artists don't need it if they want to go other avenues, but just, I can't imagine another way people would have like made so much money or become one of the top three, you know, artists living. It just seems like that's just like an impossible reach for like an app, like regular guy artist. Yeah. 
No, I, I totally agree. And um, I think that's what has been the catalyst for bringing NFTs into the pop culture. I mean, some of the other things that you know have been interesting is seeing like, uh, you you kind of know something has arrived when Saturday Night Live does a skit on it, right? And it's like, um, it was actually a really really good skit at that. And you know, it's everybody's kind of asking like, what what is an NFT? Like, you keep hearing about it, you keep seeing it, you keep seeing it, you keep seeing it, to a point where it's like the zeitgeist, right? And that's really what we're talking about in today's episode. Is um, I believe the the price tags are what got it there, but now it's kind of becoming a a cultural phenomenon in the year here, at least 20, 2021, like uh, the longevity over time, we'll, we'll see how it continues to play out. But, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a, a cultural moment. NFTs are having a moment right now. They really are. And that SNL NFT sketch is now also for sale as an NFT. So life imitated art and then became art again and I wonder if they'll make fun of it again <laughs> a sketch yeah, about I, their sketch I hope so yeah. <laughs> I wonder yeah I guess they could sell all of their sketches you know this um, people are fans so yeah. that's where that's where um, like you mentioned Taco Bell I found their strategy to be really interesting um, with some of the you know some bigger brands getting in um, you know uh, so we found that the the proceeds of their NFT sales go to thankfully a scholarship fund uh, called Live Moss. That's Live pretty Moss. cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that scholarship fund existed. So thank you, Taco Bell. And uh, I have a quote here from a from an article on a on a blog called Creative Block. It says each NFT held a five hundred dollar gift card. That's pretty valuable as a fan of Taco Bell, um, which the original owner could spend and which may explain their popularity initially. But these, quote, taco cards are now selling on the secondary market with the most expensive cards selling for $3,500. And just to be clear, that doesn't include the gift card. So uh, so gifts of tacos and all of that, I think, is, um, is you know, probably some sort of marketing, you know, campaign that Taco Bell is very creatively on the forefront of. But at the same time, they're they're making some cool cash and these things are uh, being resold. So other people are making cash off it too. Yeah. And that was the big thing I've also heard with the disconnect between like NFTs and why people would buy them is, you know, you're buying, you're buying bragging rights pretty much, or like it, it's just a collector thing, except the differences compared to like previous collector items, you don't have a physical object. But Taco Bell was like, nah, buy our NFT, get a gift card, eat more tacos, and Win. yeah, best of both worlds. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, uh, other brands like Vogue, um, Vogue is partnering to launch an NFT platform that's specific to fashion, arts, and music. What 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 do you think about that? I, you're maybe more a little bit into those things than I am, but uh, what, what do you think about that? I think it seems like every a lot of people are launching new platforms that they want to focus on other stuff. I think um, I think Tom Brady also is launching his own NFT platform and. I mean, I get the appeal because, you know... Snoop Dogg? <laughs> yeah. Does he have a, his own platform? Or I don't think so, but... NFTs? 
Yeah, I think he. I think he's releasing NFTs. Oh, cool! I know he did like dog coins too, mm-hmm. which nice. Not to be confused <laughs> with dog coins, but you know those are nice those are also them. crypto crypto related, but not necessarily NFTs. I don't know. It's a blurry line at this point. Yeah, I don't really know what to think of it when I see like famous brands or. Um, sports people or celebrities are launching like their own platform, trying to specialize in one thing. Because I think what draws a lot of people or what draws me to a place like OpenSea or Rarible or Wax is the idea that you can get a variety of NFTs in one spot. So it's almost like streaming wars. Like, do I want to have all these different marketplaces? If I want to get a fashion NFT, I have to go to Vogue's like block or not block I don't think it's their own blockchain it's just like a platform based in ethereum but you know like I don't want to have to go to all these different places to get the niche nfts yeah yeah it kind of breaks down what we were saying helped people get to that point right like um is there needs to be there needs to be a marketplace where people can find things if that is spread across like yeah a thousand different websites um, and apps, that's going to be pretty hard to uh, to find things. And even though they're all based on Ethereum, it's uh, you know maybe we'll get like meta platforms where people start like coalescing these things into curating them into into bigger platforms. But I agree, they should just you know Vogue. If you're listening, thank you. But like <laughs> maybe consider like reaching out to Rarible or OpenSea and having like you know a profile on there. And that's pretty much what Taco Bell did. Taco Bell wasn't like, hey, we're a technology company. All of a sudden, we're going to go and build an NFT platform so that we can publish these gifts and sell them. Like you know, Vogue's a a, a magazine. It's a it's a cultural kind of commentary. Uh, you know, fashion literature and. That doesn't strike me as fitting for a you know a technology platform. Even though I gotta respect that, you know, I'm I'm a technologist myself, so by all means, build it. Yeah, it's hard to see at this point who is like, wow, they're really forward thinking and they're gonna run with it and do good with it, versus like this is a cash grab and they want to be the first to do the fashion NFT platform or the first like big name fashion one. There might be one that already exists. Um, and it's just, that's with a lot of these celebrities, like there's some really cool content that's been put out that, um, you know, shows that they were actually thinking about ways to take their brand and their identity and mix it with NFTs. And then there's other stuff that just comes off as cash grabs and just a little off putting for me, getting, giving them a little side eye for some of this stuff. I think you're 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 right with the the parallel to the streaming wars. It's like, you know, we're in like what week week like 20 of NFTs being like a a, a thing that people seem to kind of care about and all of a sudden there's already people like uh plat- you know making new platforms and stuff like that. It's like um and then and then on top of that the the platforms like, you know, OpenSea and Rarible and um the others that we've mentioned simultaneously are also raising a bunch of cash like uh, their companies are valuable because there's all this money flowing through the ecosystem so I saw that um, I saw that OpenSea raised I believe a 23 million dollar round and um, you know had Mark Cuban and Tim Ferris and I believe Blau uh, the founders of figma the the art and the, the design app 
and uh, participate in that financing round. So there's there's also money flowing into those big platforms. So it's like, yeah, why is Tom Brady launching his own NFT platform? Uh, maybe he should have just invested in one of the ones that uh, people are already using to large success. Agree. And yeah, and then I see stuff like the New York Stock Exchange launching NFTs. And that's not a platform. It's just like launching NFTs. And I'm just like, guys, can you just go back to the finance district. I don't know. I guess that's Now it's where... not cool. Thanks for making it not cool. Yeah, it's just like, uh, do we really need like the hottest stocks of NFT? But that's where the divide is, I think, what a lot of people have criticized NFTs, both like in the space and outside the space, is that oh, like NFTs are about art and culture, but like here comes all the finance bros and you know, it's just going to turn into a money grab or it's recreating all the worst things about um, the arts industry and that it is Mm -hmm. about clout and money. And with some of that stuff, I feel it, like the New York Stock Exchange making NFTs. But there's that doesn't, like, take away all the artists who are making really cool stuff and supporting themselves on NFTs or even, like, celebrities who are just making cool stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just a lot there with everything, good and bad. With the last episode, we covered the environmental considerations and impact of Ethereum and NFTs. Um, and I found it interesting that the uh, Gorillaz, uh, the the band, the the musical artists, had um, had uh, they had a past album that was basically commentary on environmental like climate change and environmental impact and then they release an nft on ethereum and their fans didn't really like that so as a fan of the gorillas i i don't necessarily know where i stand it is a bit it is a bit hypocritical maybe somebody should have taken an extra second or two to like ask uh, some questions there but um you know also pretty cool that the gorillas are getting into nfts i mean it makes kind of sense right they're a they're a virtual band. They're a, they're kind of you know made up characters, and they don't physically exist in the real world, even though the the humans behind it do, of course. But um, I found that super meta that like you know a uh, a virtual musical artist band uh, was releasing virtual art you know I, th- I thought that was pretty cool yeah it's like if ever there was a band made to make nfts and live in that space it's the gorillas but unfortunately at odds with the environment issue but what as we talked about before now they know yeah now they know <laughs> but as we talked about in the previous episode like it yes it has an impact on the environment just like everything we do but is it as bad as you know, everyone's making it out to be, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, uh, probably not that terrible, but yeah. uh, so I, I don't know if the gorillas knew that when they did it too, if they, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was another, um, it was a K-pop boy band, which I'm not super into K-pop, um, or at all into it. Just no shade. I just, you know, have never really listened. And so if I mispronounce this, it's ACE. They did an NFT drop, and fans were also really disappointed in that because they had spoken out on environmental issues. But their NFT drop was on WAX, which is Worldwide Asset Exchange, and that is a non-Ethereum blockchain, which 
as we talked about in the previous episode, um, it does it has like a tiny fraction of the environmental impact that Ethereum of transactions right. have. It is like known as the well, as they brand themselves, the green NFTs. So that's a band who actually thought about it and was like, okay, we don't want to harm the environment. We want to get in on this space. How can we do that? So they went off Ethereum. Yeah, and I think that says maybe some more about the fans than it does about them. Like they did their homework, um, but the but people still assumed that NFT equals Ethereum and Ethereum equals bad for environment. And it's just like it's not that simple. Like we actually made a conscious decision to uh, to have a, a smaller footprint to the to the art that we're doing. Yeah, and it's tough as a fan too because you see all this stuff. You're getting slammed with it like day after day, like NFTs are ruining the planet, NFTs are ruining the planet. And then that's juxtaposed with like crypto people being like, nah, nah, it's cool. Uh, yeah, crypto is actually good for the planet. So then when you see that band say, actually, like we dropped our NFTs on this more ecological platform, like, Obviously, you'd want to believe them, but it is a little harder if you aren't versed in the space or know what's going on to just be like, oh, well, they said it's good, so it must be good. Like, right. Yeah. And that is why you should listen to the Crypto Art Podcast to, uh, to stay informed. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and thank you for listening. Yes. Um, so other stuff that's gone on in kind of the, the zeitgeist, I mean... Um, you know, you found this whole world that I know nothing about, and I'm very curious. And maybe this is a whole future episode, but you found this um, this Decentraland uh, virtual world. What is that, and how does that fit into this story? Yeah, so that actually, when you texted me about NFTs, that was one of the first things I found digging into it on my own. I was like, okay, there is this whole like world on the blockchain or like VR world where people can buy land and make their own virtual space. Because I think what we were talking about is, you know, you get these NFTs, but you can't really decorate your space with them, like your physical living space. I guess you could get a, right. a projector frame, but as someone who's always worried about fire hazards, uh, <laughs> that... <laughs> I don't I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> um or not a projector frame. I know they make like electrical like picture frame stuff. Um you Yeah, know, we have we, like a we have like a little Google Home hub that has is like a like a digital picture frame kind of thing and I guess that would be a very small way to display an NFT, but I prefer to see pictures of my family and, you know, Nature. Ooh, family. <laughs> Just kidding, Zach's parents. But I don't have any NFTs yet. Maybe this is an experiment. Yeah. You know? Or so that could be the next big thing with NFTs. Someone's going to figure out the like, like an actually cool, like digital frame. When I think of digital frames, I think of those like collage frames we all used to get as gifts, like, I don't know, 10 yeah. years ago or something. And it's like, yeah. oh, you're now you can flip through like a whole family album on your like dining room table or something. And yeah, <laughs> man, I sound so like have... I don't like families. <laughs> like, family photos. Fuck that shit. I don't want to see that in my house. No, I have many family photos. <laughs> I do. I do love decorating my not decorating, but you know, I do love having art in my space, you know, yeah, and designing and, um, your space with like your tastes, supporting your favorite artists. 
Yeah, and that that is something like, what do I do? Like pull out my phone and look at my NFT and be like, wow, <laughs> I own that. It's somewhere, you know? Um, or I, I pull out my my hardware wallet and look at the, you know, the transaction address and it's like, that's mine. Yeah, I, I do think that's part of the value of art. Um, but then again, the value is subjective and different people see it in different ways. I mean, there's uh, there's warehouses in like Luxembourg that are just designed to store and secure the you know some of the world's most valuable physical paintings and art pieces and they're just in crates and boxes and in environmentally controlled rooms so they don't age and like nobody's enjoying that shit you know like that kind of breaks my heart so i guess it's similar to that yeah so this decentraland is this place where you can get a virtual space. And I mean, you would have to be at this point, you would have to be able to do 3d modeling, I think to um, like design your own space, but you could, the idea is like in the future, you could design your own like room or something and have your NFTs up or put um, maybe now I'm picturing kind of like uh, animal crossing, but like Mm -hmm. it's like VR and it's yours. And well, that is a valid question, right? It's just like, is this actually different because we already have these digital spaces? Like, what what would be different? Like, basically, Animal Crossing or, you know, Assassin's Creed, like Valhalla or something like that, like letting you import your own NFTs and then decorate your, like, you know, uh, like your home base or whatever, your, where, where you save your missions and stuff, like with your artwork. Um you know, I know something. Uh, I, I don't play a ton of uh, video games, but I played um, a lot of the Assassin's Creed games. And like, you you have uh, basically like an estate that is yours, and you go there, and like you like that's where you save your game and stuff. And there is artwork like hanging up there. It's just like kind of classical artwork and stuff like that that you had no control over. But yeah, do they let you import your own pictures? Like, what what does that come to life as? You know. Yeah, and I guess for this, like, Decentraland, like, in the name, like, Decentralized is the idea is that it's not controlled by, like, you know, when we talk about, oh, Animal Crossing and Virtual World, it's like, yeah, but that's all controlled by Animal Crossing, ultimately. Yeah, or Ubisoft in the case of Assassin's Creed. yeah, Yeah, but will we see Animal Crossing in Decentraland and all that stuff? I mean, that's, they're already kind of there, so... Probably, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I do think decorating your space gets a lot easier if you're like VR, AR, uh, kind of using that technology. You don't have to worry about putting a frame up on your wall. You could just, in augmented reality, like put your NFT up on the wall, and then when you're in that in that space wearing that technology, you can enjoy it. I guess is a way that people might might uh, choose to do in the future. Yeah. And aside from that, like there's cr- the idea of creating your own space which initially drew me into it, but what is now happening that's really cool or one of the things I found as someone who uh really enjoys casinos is Atari is partnering with like a crypto AR thing and they're building a crypto casino virtual world in Decentraland, which is pretty cool. I like can't I can 
like imagine I guess what it looks like, but I also can't. Like it's just it's just so far out there mm-hmm. for me. So while Atari is building this casino space, there was also the first NFT um, AR, you know, Decentraland house was built called Mars House. Um, and it was designed by artist Krista Kim. And it's just this really cool, like, to me, it just looks exactly what you would think a virtual world um, house would look like. I can't, I mean, you'd have to Google pictures to see it since podcasting is not a visual medium. <laughs> Um, we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll link to it in the show notes. But it's just really cool. And the idea that, like, you could get this kind of, like, dream house built by 3D modelers and, like, go into your AR world. Because, let's face it, a lot of us, especially, like, millennials and below, buying our own houses is a bit out there. Or we go to, like... The whole, like, is this us plugging fully into the Matrix where we're just all in, like, pods and just, like, oh, yeah, going to my VR house. This kind of strikes me as, like, something similar to Ready Player One where you have, you know, the Oasis in that case and all of these technologies. It begs the question, what's the currency within the future Oasis? What's the... How does how does one buy or sell, like... uh collectibles and houses and like prove ownership within this like virtual future world that people have hypothesized for quite a while now. Yeah. And this uh, Mars house sold for $500,000. So for that price tag, it's like, okay, if I had the money to buy a, if I had $500,000 to burn, I would just buy a real house. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That's absurd. In the future and, like, more people getting into this, like, will there be more affordable VR spaces or land like this where it would be, like... Or or if you're into 3D modeling, you could... Um, design you could spaces. Design and sell these houses. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. that's a lot easier of a, of a proposition than, than, like, doing that and, and, and having to try to be, like, all right, real contractors have to build this so that people can actually live in it, right? Like something like Frank Lloyd Wright's Falling Water or something like that, right? Like that's uh, something that is basically a one-off unique home and it's incredibly valuable, but what if that was like a more affordable NFT or somebody could just make those like Frank Lloyd Wright did, but sell it as an NFT? That's a way that artists can... Um, I guess that's a broader definition of what an artist is, right? Like that gets into design and architecture and um, I think it's really, you know, out on the edges stretching the definition here, which is pretty cool. It does make me think about what my dream house is and uh, maybe if I'm rich someday I can make it a reality, but as of now, not happening. It is a cool house that has a lazy river pool going around it and I'll call it the Lizzie River. And that's my dream That house. is dope. <laughs> but will I ever have that? Probably not. But um, I'm going to keep the dream alive, manifest it, you know, who knows. Yeah. But yeah. Speak it, believe it, receive it. The, the Lizzie River is my dream space. Maybe I can get that in a, an NFT. And then I could like put my VR thing on and just like splash water on myself and pretend <laughs> that I'm really swimming around in it. Yeah. We, we'll see where the technology goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So NFTs are its own thing, but then there's kind of the the culture that builds up around it, right? And this being something that's come out of 
the internet, you have memes, right? You have other kind of internet culture things that are overlapping and coming to life in NFTs. And and then you have like stuff outside of that, like SNL and Taco Bell and uh, Vogue and you know NBA Top Shot and Lindsay Lohan's NFT drop. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You have you have some stuff where it's like okay the world is embracing this, and um, you know trying to see what it can become. So uh, this is very interesting to me as like the the intersection of like internet culture, but then like normal culture, world you know global people culture, and um, that's really cool to me. You know that's like how how ubiquitous technology is. I think this is. Um, something that is some sort of like data point and proof that this is all uh the 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 internet and the culture of the internet is is now it's not just internet culture it's it's just our culture and this seems like a pretty big chapter and moment um separate from what nfts actually are and you know we've talked about this being a bubble and i think some of this is proof that we're in a bubble cuz it just seems like p- people piling on to something cuz they think that it's like trendy or hot um and i for one am excited for that bubble to burst uh it, that'll that'll be a rough day for a lot of people but um it'll be good to bring that full circle and actually figure out like okay what is the actual like value and differentiator like cultural impact here uh, rooted in some form of reality, not just hype, right? Yeah, and the thing with all the celebrities and like finance and like kind of already rich people getting into the Ethereum space, especially, is that raises gas prices for everyone. So the more wealthy and like quote unquote like elite crowd that gets into Ethereum based NFTs the less regular people or regular artists trying to make money on these can afford gas prices. So when the bubble does burst, like will that open up, open it back up for more regular people be able to afford to do Ethereum blockchain? Or will this bubble like push people to go off Ethereum and into more ecological places because they just can't afford the gas prices because it's bogged down with just people with too much money <laughs> probably both yeah i think i think probably a little bit of both and it's got to be good for the space you know to kind of be a little bit more grounded in reality i mean there's there's all sorts of things in the real world that we don't necessarily get upset about or call like evil like you know people collecting sneakers or people collecting like handbags or uh you know anything like that so those things have their place in in the world, and um, you know are incredibly valuable assets in in a lot of cases. So, I think that's probably on the other side of the bubble bursting. That's probably what this will end up end up looking something similar to. Um, but this is an incredibly innovative space, and I could totally be wrong because people are trying to change the game day after day. So, um, we'll see. But no question, no question that the popularity and cultural impact of nfts uh at least you know in the first couple months of this year have been really really substantial agree i have one question for you as we wrap this up aside from the taco bell nft what is your favorite cultural or like big drop nft 
And I only say aside from Taco Bell because I feel like that's obviously both our like, yeah, yeah moment. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, it's it's hard because I actually am somebody who appreciates like art and values the art for itself. And a lot of what's going on and these drops isn't necessarily for the art. It's not for like the love of art. And that makes me a little bit sad. But at the same time, this has always been an element of the art world. So, um, you know, I, I tend, when I'm scrolling through like Rarible or OpenSea or like Pixios or Wax or any of these, these platforms, I'm like, that's dope. That's a dope piece of art, you know? And that's what something that really strikes me here is everybody's, all the people on the camp that are like, this is a joke. It's evil. This is all like a fraud and stuff like that. Like I would challenge those people to actually, if you don't appreciate art and you're not somebody who understands art, ask somebody who does that you know and ask them to set all of the that baggage aside and just go off of the 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 quality of the artwork. Is this actually well made, well thought out, provocative, you know, inspiring imagery? And in my experience it has been you know, it is like, it's like, wow, this is actually good art. It's not just people like finger painting and putting it up there and being like, this is worth a million dollars. Like this stuff takes work and like a lot of energy goes into the thought process to make these, these pieces of art, you know, and I tend to be somebody who, who I have a tough time separating those things out. So, um, I'm more in the camp that enjoys it for the quality of the art. And uh, sure, there's some stuff that's like, "Mm, that's whatever, but that's true for physical art too. So I think that's what's really awesome to me is that it's not shallow. It's not paper thin. This is actually uh, something that artists are embracing and using it to make very, very like high quality pieces of artwork. Damn, that's a good answer. I was going to say mine. I thought it was a terrible answer. What's, <laughs> what do you think? Uh, I was, well, compared to my answer, which is Lindsay Lohan's NFT drop because it's funny. <laughs> that counts. I mean, art art is art is made to get a reaction out of people. And if it made you laugh and it's funny, that's a hell of a reaction, right? Yeah. That's Comedy is hard. And props to Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because I just, like, don't think of her. And when it's, like, NFTs, because she was in on it early, too. I mean, not early, like, before, you know, unless she has been in the crypto space this entire time. And we're just totally misreading I think her, she has. But- I, I've, seen, I've seen her uh, kind of do some influencer marketing for, like, cryptocurrencies oh, and things like that. So I, I think she has been kind of in that. You know, one foot in, one foot out kind of space. I do remember, like, when I was first Googling, it was like, okay, who's done NFTs? And it was, you know, the people that you would expect, and then Lindsay Lohan. And I was like, hey, that's cool. (laughs) Innovation. Yeah, always an innovator. (laughs) (laughs) Since Parent Trap. Thank you very much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at CryptoArt underscore show and subscribe and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been CryptoArt, a podcast hosted by Elizabeth Brozak and Zachariah Moreno with original music and production by Sean Baez.